everybody and welcome back it is monday february 22nd 2021 and you are listening to episode 105 of the can i say something podcast i am your host and a recluse with a juicy caboose damien joining me today is today in the show we'll be discussing with possible spoilers for everything involved what we've been watching and listening to including New Greenland film, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, and then concluding with an in-depth review of the new Shaka Khan film, Judas and the Black Messiah. Right into the show, bicycle at gmail.com, bicycle on Twitter, B-I-S-I-C-K-L-E. Subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend, family member, stranger, Dion, what's up, buddy? Eja. I was wondering how long you're going to let me go for. <laughs> I'm Sir, here, man. We live how in a society. You? We live in a society. Hey, Did you know you're that? You're shooting your shot too early. You're shooting your shot too early. <laughs> so excited. This is Quite what I'm excited it. for. Yes. We live in a society. He said the thing. All the memes are coming thing? real. The Joker, the Joker man, Mr. Jared Leto, is going to be in the new Justice League. The Snyder Cut. And he said, we live in a society, which is, <laughs> sounds so fucking mean. Is he doing this? Do you think he's doing this as a meme? Like, is uh, Zack Snyder doing the meme? Or is he just, did he, does he know the meme? Do you think Zack Snyder knows the meme? We live in a society. He knows the meme. Of course he knows the meme. <sighs> I, I mean, I believe well, he knows the meme? meme. I think he doesn't know the meme, but it's just like, all right. <laughs> he's like, the meme is release the Snyder cut. What else, what other memes do we have here for uh Joker? Oh, we live in a society. Let's put it in there. Let's let's put that yeah. in there. Oh my god. I, I think this is the way he's looking at it. Like, you guys want to keep giving me shit about this? All right. Yep. I'm gonna keep ramming yep. it down your throats. And I'm gonna get a little bit more intense every single time. I'm gonna get a little get a little bit more meta every time. So hey, buckle in, buddy. You got your meme. <laughs> What's next? What do you think is next? You think it's gonna be like Batman screaming at uh Superman like the cat and shit. He's the gonna be screaming at the cat. Yeah, yeah, it's that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Catwoman's gonna be in there and just yelling at the cat. Yeah, um, gotta be something about about by by game stonks. Joker's gonna say that Batman. So, there you go. Yeah, to defeat Darkseid, you have to buy all the game stonks. And we go, we go straight to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did a Mickey Mouse voice, not a Joker voice. That's my bad. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Um, what are yeah. you excited for, Jared Leto? Excuse me. You mean the Jared Leto from the Little Things that is nominated for a Golden Globe that you laughed about, <laughs> and here you are commenting on his dialogue. Listen, yeah, it's terrible. Little, this is, this is terrible. And that is terrible. Jared Leto is terrible. <laughs> terrible. I mean. What? I'm surprised they're going back to him as the Joker. I thought I thought he was like kind of. Wasn't he bad? He is bad. He's mean to people on the set, he right? He's bad and has been bad and always will be bad. So, yeah, 
Yeah. I'm just going to pull up his IMDb real quick and see if he's if, uh, if that statement holds true. Uh, <clears throat> Dallas Buyers Club. I like that movie. He was fine in it, I guess. Uh, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, that that's that's top. That's top. Gerletto. That's that's yes, right. Uh, like um, I don't remember that movie that well. Well, that's good. That's good. You don't remember that movie. <laughs> ass to ass <laughs> is what everyone remembers from that movie. Ass so to I get, ass, my ass to ass. Yeah. Do you, do you want me to describe ass to ass to you, or do you or are you good? Yeah, ex- describe it to me. Yeah. Okay, spoilers so, if you guys don't know what ass to ass is. Yes, yeah, yes, you want yes, to find yes, out your way. Spoilers for a twenty-one-year-old movie at this point, but uh, so uh, this movie is all about drug um, drug uh, addiction and what you will do to get your mm-hmm. next fix. And uh, mm-hmm. Jennifer Connelly is addicted to, uh, I'm not sure, meth, let's say meth. Uh, so to, to get her next fix, um, she becomes a prostitute, which is fine. Sex work is is good and, and, and should be legalized. But um, she, at one point at the very end of the movie, she's in this, um, what do you call it, uh, exhibition, um, sexual sexual uh, exhibition thing where men are watching her have sex with another woman, and uh, oh, they have a double sided. Yep, yep, it's good times. Uh, and she's she's using a double sided dildo with this other uh, woman, and they're oh. doing ass to ass. So you know, dildos oh. in one ass, and the other dildos in the other ass. So that's uh, that's where ass to ass comes from. And this wasn't uh, a porn. <laughs> 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 this film, this this great film. Yeah, well, called, what was the what, what was the rating on this? Probably uh, hard R. I'm I'm guessing hard R. Uh, hard R. Yeah, it's R. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things where they shoot it. Um, they shoot is, it artistic. Is the double sided dildo implied? <laughs> yeah, you never know, actually witnessed. It's artistically shot, so it's cinematically shot. So you're, you're not seeing her actual butthole, but yes, you get the idea. I think I think I think by the term the man screaming ass to ass over and over again, I think you it is inferred that the dildo is going from one ass to the other ass. Can you scream it to me for effect? Yeah, sure. Ass to ass. How's that? Do you think this is like the most extreme we've ever gotten in the first five minutes of the podcast? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm jacked up on this new uh, coffee that Dunkin' Donuts just put out. It's called Midnight Coffee or Midnight Dunkin'. <laughs> they replaced their dark, dark roast. Uh, last week, I ordered a dark, a dark roast and they said, we don't have any more dark roast. We're switching over to this new um, coffee called Midnight Dunkin'. I think it's called Midnight Coffee or something. It's basically okay. the darkest dark roast they've ever made. And I, I, it must have... Okay. So much caffeine in it, it's, it's, it's insane. Uh, I'm not sure this is an ad they're going to want us to plug. <laughs> Speaking of plugs, um, yeah, it's called Dunkin' Midnight, so I got it right, sort of. So let me <laughs> let me read the first paragraph of this exciting announcement. It's an exciting time to be a Dunkin' Coffee lover. In case you missed it, we <laughs> recently announced the launch of Extra Charged Coffee and our Dunkin' Midnight and Explorer Batch Coffees with so many great new coffee options to choose from. We're sharing a behind-the-scenes look at each must-try sip so you know exactly what to expect. Keep reading for the inside scoop on Dunkin' Midnight and be sure to check out our blog post on Extra Charged Coffee and Explorer Batch 2. So... Now, now close that. Close that with the same intensity with your own line. My own line? Yeah, uh, make your own line up and close close that ad with the with the with equal intensity that you just read. Sure. I don't Coming know, say, February twelfth, ass to ass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm super jacked uh, yeah. up on this. I have only drinking half of it too. So yes. There you go. 
So I was driving on. through town and I saw billboards. Yeah. They were saying like 20% more caffeine. And it was like, yeah. oh, Jesus, man. So American right there. Uh, <laughs> I was actually thinking the other day. I mean, just, I just need I just need a coffee and I'm wired yeah. for 24 hours. Yeah, I was I was thinking the other day, like, what is the most caffeine you can put in your body at one at one time? Like, what's the most um, concentrated caffeine you can just put in your body? And I think it's like 500 milligrams uh, per hour, I think. Really? Yeah. Hey, what's like, that? Like before your heart explodes? Yeah. Before you go into shock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the most coffee caffeine you can have? I just Googled this. From the Mayo Clinic, up to 400 milligrams. So I was close. I said 500. They said 400. So how many coffees is that? So this is 400 milligrams is roughly the equivalent of four cups of brewed coffee or 10 cans really? of cola or two energy shot drinks. Yes. Wow. The, so they say that's safe for most adults. Keep in mind that the actual coffee, this is from the article from the Mayo Clinic. Uh, keep in mind that the actual caffeine content in beverages varies widely, especially among energy drinks. Caffeine in powder or liquid form can provide toxic levels of caffeine. Uh, just one teaspoon of powdered, powdered caffeine is the equivalent to about 28 cups of coffee. So, yeah. Jesus. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a freaking lot. Four cups of coffee is enough to put you over the edge, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's not good wow. at all. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but let's let's get moving because I forgot we have like a uh, 12, 12 movies, twelve things to talk about here. Got a lot of deep sure. going into deep dive of one division later, but let's talk about uh, some movies movies we've been watching this week. Uh, let's talk about Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. This is the new film starring Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo and Jamie Dornan. The IMDb summary is lifelong friends Barb and Star embark on an adventure of a lifetime when they decide to leave their small Midwestern town for the first time ever. Uh, have you heard of this movie at all? I have. Yeah. You told me about it and I heard it from a podcast. So... We have a thing on the show where we used to have a thing on the show where we would assign the Christian Wig Award for most useless, most useless character in a film, <laughs> right? Christian <laughs> uh, Wig in this movie is not useless at all. She's she's amazing in this Aww. movie. Her yes, Christian Wig and her co-star Annie Momolo are amazing together. You know how there's there's movies uh, that depict friendships where somebody one person will finish the other sentences. Yeah, let's try it. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, this movie is amazing. Penis. Yes, close. Very close. <laughs> so, they not only finish each other's sentences, but they just, they, they you know, talking about, like, I, I feel like most of this movie, or a lot of this movie was improvised, and they so, they're so good at improvising and so good at, like, yes-ending each other. There's a scene on a plane where they're talking about a woman who's just like, yeah, this woman, so they talk in this, like, Midwestern accent. Yeah, this woman was, like, this awesome woman and she was like a fairy and she became a mermaid and she lives in the ocean now like just shit like that they, they just keep going and going and going with shit like that um fantastic movie fantastic movie it's like it's like uh ace ventura meets like um uh what, what's the austin powers it's like austin powers meets ace ventura austin it's powers? fucking incredible yeah interesting highly recommend this movie if you like if you like an absurdist type comedy you know what i mean so when they're finishing each other's sentences, are you suggesting that they're kind of it's like improv, like they just like all right, yes. let them let them roll, baby. 
Yes, yes, yes. If you look back Not on scripted. the okay. um, Anchorman films, a lot of improv there. Uh, I guess uh, the director, Adam, Adam McKay, uh, was feeding them lines once in a while uh, through a through a earpiece. But a lot of that is, you know, just their uh, Will Ferrell skill at, at improv and everyone else's skill at improv. So, yeah, they're, they're extremely good at what they do in this film. All right. Well, my boys at IMDb gave this uh, movie a six. So oh, they can suck my fucking clock. That's <laughs> <laughs> incredible. Noted. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a it's a highly divided, divisive film. I think it's one of those things where you're either in the mood for it, you either understand it, you're either you're either on its wavelength, or you're just not at all. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of it Correct. also comes down to the fact that it's uh, one of those P V O E premium videos on demands where you got to pay twenty bucks. So I think. A lot of people are conditioned these days to be like, is it on the thing? Is it, in my, is it on my free streaming service where I just push a button and I don't have to pay a thing to watch the thing? Uh, but now with the COVIDs and all the stuff coming out uh, for 20 bucks that you just rent and it just goes away after 24 hours, I feel like people are like are more uh, accustomed to like, oh, it's $20. I better get my money's worth out of this shit. And if they don't you know, fully uh, love it, give it a 10 out of 10, they're like, Fuck, just wasted 20 bucks. You know what I mean? That's fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just looking at this, I don't think I've actually seen a preview, but uh, yeah. I don't know if this is something I would even go to the theater to, to, to really? spend. No, no, no. This is one of those on, where you know, I, so. I talked about uh, uh, Invisible Man being one, being one of the movies that I regret not seeing in theaters just because of the uh, the audience, you know, feeling of it. Uh, the audience, uh, what do you call that? The 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 whole experience of being in an Excitement. audience while seeing a thing together with other yeah. people. Yeah, the camaraderie. Like when Captain America that, caught the hammer. The hammer, the Mjolnir. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see this so movie. So you're saying theaters. there's like scenes in this movie that's equivalent to Captain America catching Thor's hammer. I would never go that far, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some. So you're saying there's a real camaraderie that you would feel with uh, other patrons of yep. this movie in an actual yep. theater. Interesting. Yep, 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 yep. That's a that's a that's a pretty good sell right there. Yes, thank you. Um, do you want me to talk about the next movie, or do you want to talk about something you watched? Oh, uh, go back man. and forth. You what want me to I talk watch? about all, all my stuff at once? Well, uh, you've watched all the stuff that I've watched, so why don't you just keep going? Oh shit! Did you watch Greenland? <laughs> no, actually, I wanted to, but I didn't <laughs> get around to it. <laughs> okay, so it's a movie starring Jared Butler. Morena Baccarin, Baccarin and Roger Delafoyd. Uh, we got Scott Glenn, David Denman. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, from Office, the the Pam's first boy. Roy. We got Roy from the Office. Roy. David Roy. Yeah. Roy. Right. Roy. 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 Morena Baccarin. Uh, Some might remember her from Deadpool fame, where she pegged yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Greenland. That's what I remember. Yeah, so if you go into Greenland, you're like, you look at the uh, synopsis, you look at the who's in it, you look at what's what's it about. You got Gerard Butler in a disaster film. You're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, is this like a sci- sci-fi original, some bullshit that's like, you know, it gets a two out of 10 on IMDb that you would just never well, think about watching? Well, you left out Cataclysmic. Cataclysmic. Once you, once you add Cataclysmic into there, then I can imagine film. Gerard Butler being there. Sure. Yeah. He was famously in uh, Geostorm not too long ago that got panned at the at the theaters. But this is fucking amazing. This is like, take, yeah, take, um, 
take Geostorm or take like uh, uh, Armageddon and mix it with like Uncut Gems, the stress level of that film. Put put those in a Ooh. mixer and push that out. And this is what, that's the film you'll get. Greenland is the film you'll get from mixing all those together. It, it, this is an incredible film. Uh, stressful right from the beginning. You know, it's got those like tropes of the family is, is having a normal day. They're at home. They got the TV on in the background and the newscaster is like, and scientists say the asteroid is going to pass by the Earth. Uh, it's going to come very, very close. One of the closest asteroids in history, but it'll pass on right by. And then uh, a few minutes later, well, update folks on the asteroid is actually going to hit Earth, but scientists say it will small enough to break up in the atmosphere. Cut to a few minutes later. Uh, so, folks, we got an update on that asteroid. Apparently, it's not going to break up in the atmosphere. It's, it's much larger than they thought, but it will touch down safely in the ocean cut to a few minutes later actually folks you know it just keeps getting worse breaking and- news ticker psych psych <laughs> y'all fucked got you idiots we're yep. all dead we're all dead yeah it's that sort of thing so um Gerard Butler and his family are are spoiler uh, some small spoilers for this movie. I don't spoil, I, want, I don't want to spoil the entire thing. I do want you to watch this but uh so Gerard Butler and his family are chosen to uh get on this plane to to go to this bunker in Greenland, the titular Greenland. Um, and yes. she, she goes sideways very quickly. Uh, he tries to get on a plane. The plane is overrun by other people who want to get on the plane that are not allowed on the plane. Um, there's a gas explosion and the uh, or a gas leak and the planes all the planes explode and so Jar Butler and his family get separated. Uh, his his child has a disability. He has diabetes, I believe. So he's the kid is not allowed at first to to be one of the you know select few to survive this apocalyptic uh, disaster. Oh, you got to keep the blood pure. Yeah, you got to exactly. go in without any diseases and stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, no diabetes, no, uh, yeah, none of that. No fatties allowed. Um, I think it was what they specifically said. <laughs> said you were turning that off. <laughs> um, no, Thought you were in podcast form. My God. Yeah. Oops. Oops. Uh, delete that. Um, no, it's a fantastic, like, just anxiety-ridden uh, film from start to finish. Highly, highly recommend uh, Greenland. I believe that is uh, on rental on Amazon rental. So. Check that out there. All right. Uh, yeah. I'll check yeah. it out. Yeah, buddy. Uh, what else have you watched this week? I watched Nomadland. Nomadland. Let's talk about it. Nomadland oh. is new film. We've talked about this a lot for a long time because this, this is one of those films that were up for, you know, for nominations. It's been talked about for a long time, been highly acclaimed, highly yeah. rated. We've, we've talked about it coming out, maybe, you know, it's one of those that were like, where is this coming out? When is this coming out? When can we see it? Where can we see it? Mm-hmm. Finally, mm-hmm. it's out. It's out on Hulu this week. Uh, this movie is directed, the newest film directed by Chloe Zhao, director of The Writer, uh, starring Francis McDormand, David Straitham in a supporting role, as well as real-life nomads Linda May, Swanky, and Bob Wells as fictionalized versions of themselves. So, uh, Dion, give me your first quick overview of uh, of Nomadland. What'd you think of it? Yeah. So, I mean, I can understand why this movie was a uh, Sundance indie darling. Uh, I thought it was a fine movie. I thought it was a pretty beautiful movie, even though I was watching on my toaster. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's not a movie I'm going to watch again. Uh, it's interesting to see that side of life. I screamed internally a lot just because yep. uh, the whole idea, it's like these people, uh, specifically, it was during the 
uh, the the fallout from the the recession of um, oh eight or so. Yes, people lost all the retirement and and everything like that. And it, it's it's something to say that you lost your retirement, but you got to consider there's a there's a large <laughs> chunk of people that won't have anything to retire on, even without the recession in play. Yep, you know it, it's just it, it, it's it's a sad broken system. That you have to like work your ass off for just to get to sixty and, and maybe not have to work anymore. I don't know. It's crazy. So it was interesting to see this side of life where these people are maybe you know somewhat can't be can't mix with society, but the other part where it's like they enjoy the freedom that is liberating and it's it's a fun take. Uh, scenery was beautiful. Obviously, there's this one part where she's just running through these cliffs and. Uh, it was like a rainstorm, and I mean that's where you can catch me when I'm when I'm my way uh, on my way out. You know, mm. uh, just think about like all these places where these people are going to retire. They're in the middle of a desert at some kind of uh, uh, um, classroom session, like talking about how to be a, a nomad. And ideally, I hope that I mean I'm in a kind of similar situation. At least I got a bed to go back to. But you're gonna find my ass just sitting on a beach, toes in the sand, and the water coming up to me. That's that's how I want to freaking do it but uh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i'm rambling you can interfere anytime you want (laughs) okay so i feel like um in terms of if we're looking at movies in terms of like difficulty like if you're looking at like a a easy normal or hard or extremely difficult movie to uh grasp to understand to uh process i feel like this is like very hard this is like (laughs) top of the top of the food chain as far as like challenging movies people like to uh, um, tag these movies as challenging to uh, uh, you know keep your attention keep your um, yeah it was slow I mean it, was, slow. it wasn't slow but yeah I mean I felt like it moved at a nice pace but I can understand right. where people would say that it would be slowed up if you're if it, there's no action going on so no, yeah no, no. it is a challenge yeah, kind of it, sister. Is, it is challenging very challenging um, so this is a movie that is categorized as uh, neorealism uh, neorealism is a very specific type of filmmaking. Uh, I have the Wikipedia pulled up here. Uh, so it is a nation, neo, specifically Italian neorealism is a national film movement characterized by stories set amongst the poor and the working class. Filmed on location, frequently using non professional actors. Italian neorealism films mostly contend with the difficult econo- economic and moral conditions of post World War II Italy. So that was specifically what they were dealing with, but. Um, same with this movie, dealing with the poverty, dealing with the injustice, dealing with desperate lives. These people are, you know, just trying to keep their head above water desperately. Uh, there's a scene in this movie where she, where uh, Frances McDormand is, uh, you know, she's a flat tire and she's knocking on this woman's door and she's like, "Dude, you gotta <laughs> get your shit together. You, you're living out here by yourself. You could easily die if you don't have, you know, some your survivalist techniques up to par." Um, so this is, uh, yeah, this is a very, uh, different movie that I'm, I'm sure you've ever seen before, just based on the fact that it's has so many people that are based on real life people. They are, um, not professional actors. Most of the people are, you have Francis McDormand, one of my favorite actresses working today, uh, and Fr- uh, David Stratham. We, we saw him, we like him from, uh, Lincoln and other, other movies, uh, but those are the two main actors, main professional actors in this film. Um, and it's just interesting. What did you think about, like, when you saw Francis McDormand acting off of other people? We were like, oh, okay, that's a <laughs> that's definitely a a professional act- actor and that other person is definitely not. Or was it or is the gap not as wide as I thought it was? Uh, no, it, it was definitely wide. It kind of took me out of it a couple of times where I was like this. 
it, it made it's like wow this is actually you know a very beautiful movie and everything but then when they would have these people go off on their monologues and just just talk about their experiences or their plans or what they're going to do it came off very documentary ish yeah. and then obviously to have her play off in a different way as an actual actor i don't know if i've actually watched something like this um right. I don't know. It kind of bugged me. I felt like this could have every time she'd have a conversation with somebody, it was almost like I could be like, all right, well now this should have been a documentary. And I just kept getting caught up in that where it's like, yeah. which one is it? And I, I hate being caught up in like that, like mixing of a, a, a genre, but you know, it was yeah, you their like intention, I guess, but what's that? You don't like that at all. Like, uh, what is this movie? No, <laughs> no. Like- yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's kind of why I gave it like a fine thing. Like if they, if they made it one or the other where like either they were talking as if like they were a character um, in the movie, not just like an actual nomad talking about their situation or if she was interviewing these people, yeah. I think I would have preferred it one way or the other. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very, very uh, interesting movie. I feel like there's two, um, what do you call them? Two two parts of movies that it really if they if they're done well really make give me uh, let me give the movie a break or give it slack or give it a higher mark than I would normally give it. Well, this do those two things being uh, exceptional acting and exceptional cinematography, both things that are in this film. Uh, this film has amazing cinematography. You, you watched it Agreed. on your uh, PSP, your Engage, your your right, yeah, yeah. 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 your yeah. Nokia watch, yep. your Nokia watch. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, but it was your Casio watch. I'm your sorry, Casio. Yes, your Casio, <laughs> your Nokia. Yep. Um, but yeah, the the watching this on my on my actual big screen was incredible. Um, incredible vistas, incredible um, landscapes in this film. And then you got Francis Francis McDormand, one of the one of the best top top tier leading actresses working today incredible incredible moments of her just looking at other people just watch sitting and watching and uh this is one of those movies where it's show it depicts a very tough life and i feel like people that live in very desolate conditions such as you know being in jail or being institutionalized it's it's the same thing where She's living that life for so long, and then she comes to this point where she can have a normal, quote unquote, normal life in a house, and she chooses not to. You know, she she gets to uh, meet up with David David Strahan's character, and he she, he invites her to stay in the house of his brother or his son, actually, and uh, she just goes back out to the to her um, to her van because that's the, the that's the life she's known, and it's just her very, sister as well. Yeah, yeah, her sister as well. She does. She just can't adjust to a different life than she's than she's known before, and it's that thing of like um, I think they showed it in Orange, Orange is the New Black, where they had these moments where they they could get out or they they could escape or they could be released, and they're just so so um, institutionalized that they just can't. They have a very very hard time adjusting to a normal life, and they, sh- they showed this very well in this movie where she just. <laughs> She's she given the opportunity to sleep in a bed under a roof, and she goes goes out to her van to sleep during the rainstorm, and it's just yeah, it's very. I feel like that's very authentic to that sort of type of person. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, that was kind of frustrating. I I think that in a way too, that kind of took away from it too. She had she came into like some problems on the road, and feel like this movie might have been a little disingenuous while everybody was helpful that she kind of came across if not a little bit of gruff but like her sister like she gets her her van um 
you know, shits the bed and she has to go ask for help, uh, specifically try to find money to, to yeah. fix this. And she's going from job to job, but she doesn't have, she's going to pay it back, I assume, but it, it's just, that's how she ends up back at her sister's. And, and it's things don't always work out very positive. I've noticed this actually with, with a few things that I've been watching lately, like Queens Gambit. Like I talked a little bit how, um, how she was kind of coming up in like this men's world and and instead of like focusing on how uh how big of an asshole the, the men could be to her character they just showed this this side where it's just like all right we're gonna embrace her and we're gonna cheer her on and 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 he's like there's already so much negativity i don't think i need to show this but specifically when you're living in, on the road and, and you're you're kind of just chilling in the desert all by yourself it's just to be able to have that fallback where it's like, all right, I'm going to go ask my rich sister for money or you never actually see anybody like try to steal something from her yeah. or anything like that, which I yeah. feel like she would encounter somewhere along the line right. in this or like these rest areas that she stops at, you know, just living that road life that it's going to happen sometime. It's, uh, I just felt like maybe it was a little disingenuous there that it, it, a little too, but I don't know. Maybe that's the thing. I mean, they just wanted to make you kind of, focus on the story and the feel good. I, 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 yeah. I don't know, man. But. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I too was waiting for somebody to try to attack her, to try to steal her shit. But I feel like with a community like that, I feel like if you are that type of person, you're going to be <laughs> either killed or just removed very, very quickly. I feel like there is no, there is no uh, room for error living out in a community like that. If you're, right. if you're, if you're that type of person, you're going to be snuffed out pretty quickly. Well, I mean, unless you're doing the snuffing, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? I don't know, but uh, so I yeah. mean, I guess my my last question I got for you on this movie is, uh, what size gallon bucket are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a bigger bucket. Like there was a scene in this movie where she has some stomach issues, and uh, we get to see her, uh, yeah, just just blah 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 blah, blah yeah, into a bucket, and then uh, oh god, I'm gonna sit on this bucket, which you know, it's an it's a real way of life, and she yeah. didn't have like a trailer or a, a mobile home or anything. She's in literal in a literal van that she's customized to uh to uh to to endure this journey on the road but i was actually referencing when the when the woman was actually out there during the seminar oh. uh the, the the nomad seminars and she's busting out like these buckets she's like well if you got bad knees here's the uh 12 gallon bucket because uh. it's taller <laughs> oh, or uh, oh. in my case you know i don't go a whole lot here's here's the eight gallon bucket gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> you i was wondering you're probably the 24 you're you're like the the, the trash can i gotta put out for the the, the dump truck on the way <laughs> No, I, I would just be, dig myself a moat or something like that. It's just a big old hole in the ground. True. <laughs> uh, you know, that's actually a good method of self-defense there. No one's uh, going to... You got like a drawbridge that you set down yep. if you want somebody to come across. Yep. But otherwise, they can't get to you. They can't steal anything if you got a mo moat of poop around you. That's exactly. brilliant. Brilliant. Dude. Yes, man. <laughs> so, is this your future? Have you thought about huh? this? Is this is this your future? Have you thought about this? I don't think so. After the sweet, sweet money of our podcast uh, income <laughs> yeah. wears out. <laughs> yeah. No, I, no, man. I, like I said, I'm, I'm, if you're accustomed to a certain type of life, I think you're going to keep going with that certain type of life. And if you're not, no, I'm not a survivalist. I could not survive one day without True. heat, shelter, water, food, uh, internet. Says the man that handed me the, a memory card and sandals today with no socks. <laughs> in six inches of snow around you six inches of snow yes exactly you're selling yep. yourself short man yeah 
<laughs> nope, nope. I um, if I'm a recluse, if I'm a true recluse, if I ever get to that true nomad, true true uh, hobbit life, or whatever you call it, now I'm donezo. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. If you're a done. true recluse with a juicy caboose, you're going to need a bigger bucket. Exactly. That's a good way to end that. So, any other uh, things you want to talk about? Uh, Nomadland. Do you think? Uh, do you think Frances McDormand should get a Golden Globe for her performance in here? Do you want to adjust any of your picks? I think we have Viola Davis as for the best performance by an actress. Uh, do you think uh, what's her name? McDormand gave a better performance than Viola Davis. That's tough. And, and, and I have a problem with that, actually, when you think about it. Yes. Where this was her movie. This was this was Frances McDormand's movie. She yeah. was in all of it. Yeah, and, right, right. and Viola Davis wasn't nearly in. What, what would you say the percentage of the movie she was in, in her movie? Viola was probably maybe 40, maybe less, 40%. Yeah, that's less. what I was saying, 40%. And it's tough because there's so much more to pull from. Like, when you think about it, like... Francis should win that just because she kept it up for longer. You know, it's, and you think of like Tom Brady here, you know, he's like 43 or 40, I don't know, I don't know, and winning Super Bowls and stuff. And like, he's just doing it longer. So it's like, damn, all right. And you still got it, brother. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you can be an MVP. Uh, I don't know. It's just, I feel like I don't know how Francis McDormand doesn't beat her out. Oh, yes. All, all we can remember about the Viola Davis thing was the, the Viola Davis, I'm sorry, uh, the Coke scene. I, yeah. I know she commanded a room, but at the same time, I think Frances McDormand did a fine job of doing that too. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Uh, maybe yeah, maybe I should give it to her. Going to be close. We'll see. Uh, next week. What next was Sunday. what was Nomad against in in best movie though? Uh, Nomad. We went for. We both said. Uh, actually, no. I said Trials of Chicago Seven. You said Mank. I don't know if. Uh, I don't know if Nomad was up for best drama. Was it? So nominees, nominees, yes. Uh, Nomadland was nominated for Best Picture. It was up against okay. The Father, Mank, Promising Young Woman, and Trial of Chicago 7. I think I picked Trial, right? Yes, uh, you picked Trial. Yep. Um, I'm going to by that. Okay. Yeah. Um, you should see, Nick, for next week, uh, check out Promising Young Woman. I think we'll have a lot, <laughs> we'll have a lot to talk about with that film. Um, but all right, yes. But for now, why don't we move on to WandaVision episode seven, entitled "Breaking the Fourth Wall." Uh, what did you think of episode seven? It was a little bit of a letdown. A little bit, right? A little like just like all right, you guys. All these theories you were talking about, some are right, some are not right. Um, yeah. Well, and, and ultimately, spoilers, everyone, spoilers. Yep. Back off if you don't want spoilers. Yep. Three, two, one. Um, the Agatha thing. It was just kind of like they're doing the the song and dance number, and it's like I loved it. Obviously. Loved that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the song slap, sure. Yeah. But you know, I I don't think it was really uh, that song in particular. I don't think it was anything better than uh, I I prefer the the intro songs that they have. The uh-huh. one that there was like uh, it very clearly had the office ring t- uh, ring to it. Yes. But yep. you know, one from two episodes ago, where it was, felt like a, like a growing pains one. That that one was my favorite. That's my jam. Yeah. But anyways, I, I'm go, I'm digressing. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's like all right. Yeah, it, this was basically confirming everything that we speculated, known, and and for other cases where, um, it, it I don't know. It, it was it was just different. It, it wasn't 
there weren't more questions asked. There were maybe like two or three more questions that now pop up, but this was kind of like the reveal and it was almost like, all right, yeah, I, I guess I knew that. I saw that coming. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. I guess no one could really be satisfied really. What did you think? Uh, yeah, like you said, I was kind of disappointed a little bit in this one. Um, just like a lot of, so you said some reveals, but I think the the main guy behind it, we could still see somebody um, either teaming up with Agnes or being uh, her boss, leading 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 eye Agnes. Um, so sure, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Just like the aerospace engineer. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, they never specifically said this. Meet my friend, the aerospace engineer. They never said that. So I'm still going to hold out hope but it's that such it a is somebody special. Job, bro. It's such a specific job. So <laughs> it's funny that I brought up that possibility and that actually happened. Yeah. Well, it says right here, I got to uh, recap uh, from Collider.com. They says in the second paragraph, uh, more importantly, we learned that Wu and Monica also managed to escape the hacks in episode six. Unfortunately, it appears we'll have to wait a little longer to learn who Monica's aerospace engineer is. Instead, they meet up with a new sword agent named Major Goodner, who's on Monica's side and accordingly delivers a fancy vehicle that Monica hops in to use uh, in permeating, permeating the barrier. So, according to them, they're saying... Permeating. Permeating, thank you. Yes. Inevitable, but all. <laughs> <laughs> Inevitable. So they're saying that this is not the aerospace engineer, which I, I believe as well. I don't think that was her. I don't think that was yeah. the person. Yeah. Have you seen those memes popping around where it's like the guy slowly putting on clown makeup and they're like, yeah. uh, oh, seven minute long credits. Oh, yeah. And then it's just like, oh, wait, I did the math. And then the next thing is like, if, if there's three episodes left, then this means this is going to be a 40 minute episode and the last ones will be two hours. And it just slowly until he finally looks like a clown and he's saying yeah. like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's what this is, buddy. That's what that is. You are in denial. You need to come to terms with it. Listen, there is no aerospace ex- expert coming to, 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 to save the day. We have seen that. No, no, absolutely not. You need to just hope and pray for Doctor Strange. I'm still saying no. I'm still going to (laughs) say we got two episodes left. It is entirely possible that next two episodes are an hour and a half. So I'm still got my money on that. All right. Um, An hour and a half? It could be. It could very well be. There's no rules. Or is it like 40 minutes with like 20 minute credits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe like a 30 second (laughs) mid-credit scene. So Go ahead, continue. The rover isn't successfully able to break through, but Monica decides to try it herself, literally shoving her way inside Westview in a trippy sequence that features voices, cameos by key figures from her life, including Nick Fury and Carol Danvers, and ends with Monica on the other side. And as predicted by Darcy, transformed by the experience. So she has blue eyes, blazing blue eyes. Um, she could be a photon. Photon is one of her alter egos, alter um, Saw that name alter names yep. in the comics. Another one is called uh, Spect- Specter, Spectrum? Spectrum. Spectrum, yes. Um, superhero, let me look that up real quick. But if she was Spectrum, she'd be the villain. Is that true? Is she a villain? Well, oh, I'm saying that as, you know, Spectrum, oh. the company is a bit. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Get it? Got Got it. So she has, let's see, the abilities that she has are, um, so they had, they had a better thing in another one, but uh, so blast powers, cosmic awareness, energy, electricity control, um, yeah, phasing, size manipulation, super speed, telepathy. So she could do a bunch of stuff. A bunch of stuff could be happening yep. here. <clears throat> but Am um, I to assume that she's 
as strong as Vision because she kind of got through that hex a lot easier than Vision did. Sure, sure. Yeah, she could be. I mean, like we said before. Which again, which again is bothering the hell out of me. Vision is getting shit on. Well, yeah, we talked about this before where the power levels are all, all over the place with these characters. Yeah. Oh, I meant to say, I went back and listened to our last podcast yeah. and it, it was so close. We were talking about how... Uh, Vision's getting shit on. You were talking about power creep, and then we—I mentioned that uh, he doesn't even know his dad died. We just—we got to get uh, Akira Torizama in here. DBZ this up. Remember what happened when Gohan uh, thought his dad died? <laughs> he went Super Saiyan too, brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what true. we do. Okay. We need to be like, be like Tony died, and Vision's like, what? Ah, ah. <laughs> and yep. this is even farther. Yeah. <laughs> Super Saiyan 2. Scarlet Witch is Vision. screaming, it's over 9,000! <laughs> so, let's see. Uh, after nearly disintegrating in the previous episode, Vision wakes up, restored to his full form, but back on the other side of the barrier. However, when he finds the circus set up, now, housed, now housing the trapped sword agents, he recognizes Darcy as someone with whom he had an unspoken di- condition on the other side with, mm. and frees her from Wanda's control. Uh, together, the two of them hijack a funnel cake truck and head out to track uh, Wanda down, Darcy giving Vision the cliff notes on his backstory, including his multiple deaths. That was kind of freaky. Um, so then, so I liked um, that Darcy was basically us <laughs> going down that, that street, and then coming to the uh, coming to the crossroads and having the the crew, the road crew, come in. She's like, "Come on, just go. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Shit." The kids, the kids that we were all aware didn't exist until the Halloween episode when she needed them, and then the kids appear again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, in Talking Heads segment, Vision realizes how much Wanda has gone through, and also remembers that he knows how to fly. <laughs> he remembers that he knows how to fly. That's fun. That's funny. Yep. Soaring off. Was out of phase. He didn't even bother opening the door. He's just like peace. Yep. Yep. He goes off soaring in search of his wife so that we have a bunch of like I thinking back on it it's not that bad of an episode considering how many things uh, how many dangling threads we have now we have like where did Vision go what's Darcy's next move what's Hayward's next move we have a bunch of things that are going to come to a head in the the next episode so I think it's just in terms of setting some things into motion I think this is a fine episode Uh, yeah yeah. no I mean that's pretty much all I can say about it It was fine it was fine Uh, it's like you said you could tell the Hayward has something to fare his plan because he's like, get everyone in position. Yeah. We move at dawn, you know? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And everything else. Like just between the reveal, like, they're just like, we're going to do the Agatha reveal. So we don't really don't need a whole lot of other stuff. But <laughs> she, her character was actually pretty hilarious when they're like, she's like, she's not going to bite. It's like, well, I did bite a kid. Once, yep. <laughs> <laughs> she's really funny. I love, I love Catherine Hahn. I've seen her in a couple things. Uh, she's, she's one of those people that just like, Oh, that person! Yes, yeah, so she's one of the what? She's one of the best that guys uh, out there. Mm. Uh, let's see. Monica arrives at Wanda's house, ready to confront her, but Wanda's not interested. Brutally rebuffing her and looking ready to deliver some serious magical hurt until Agnes arrives, diffusing the situation and leading Wanda over to her house, leading to the meme. Of yeah, can the, we talk about that? that? Yeah, that serious magical hurt right there. Huh? Because remember, I want to talk about that serious, serious magical. hurt. Hurt. Oh yeah. Well, that's that. That's what you said, right? Uh, yes. Yep. She picked up. She picked up uh, Rambo, and she tried to slam her into the ground, and she wasn't aware that she had superpowers. Well, this kind of like goes back to when I was saying how uh, how Hayward did nothing wrong yet, and and Scarlet on. Witch is a, a real threat. 
She tried to slam Rambo into the ground, and Rambo did the superhero pose, she did the superhero landing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And Wanda didn't know she was superpowered. What was her goal there? Was she trying to splat her on the sidewalk? Sure. Yeah. She's mama, she's what? mama bear. Mama, do not fuck with mama bear. Mama bear will fuck you up. All right. She just wanted. She came into the house. She just wanted to talk, and the kids weren't even around. There was no reason to go, mama bear. All right. Well, she and she and, and you know what she did? What? She backed up and she was like, when when she did the superhero landing, yeah. Wanda's like, whoa, wait, you got superhero powers? All right, I'll hear you out. <laughs> What's that about, dude? Uh, What's that about? Was she threatened? Did she feel threatened? All right. Yeah. All right. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious who who the person here is that uh, supported the uh, Sokovia Accords. You were full. Uh, Tony Stark uh, team, if anyone didn't realize that. <laughs> and also, I just wanted to point out real quick that uh, Tony and, uh, yeah, Tony was working with, or yeah, S.W.O.R.D. was working with a unconfirmed Nazi agent. His father was working with an unconfirmed Nazi agent, is what I should say. Howard Stark was working with Zemo. He's looking for Zemo during Endgame. That was, so that was the time period. His father, that was just the time period. His father was working with uh, Baron Zemo. <laughs> Hand in hand with him, like how long? How long did he not know he was not as not a Nazi? At a certain point, Armin Z- hey. Z- Zola, sorry, it's not Zemo, Zola. Armin Zola had to tell Howard and the rest of Sword, "Listen, I'm a Nazi, and you need to put my mind into a real to real to keep me alive, so I can further influence <laughs> and uh, integrate um, Hydra into Sword. So just let me do that." And they did. They let, they let that happen. Right, right underneath Howard Snow's that happened. So either Howard is incompetent Listen, hey, wait. or he was involved in uh Hydra influencing sort uh yeah. I'm I'm not a I'm not a Howard stan here. Okay. All right. All right. Howard didn't even realize that he had a son yeah. most of the time. Okay. So right. yeah, he was probably working with Nazis. That wasn't Tony, <laughs> brother. Tony was young. Tony but, was innocent. Okay. He he Tony was innocent, <laughs> but Howard was not. Therefore, he was killed for working with Nazis. Moving on. <laughs> Checkmate. Checkmate, atheist. <laughs> I reject your reality and institute my own. <laughs> Agatha Harkness tells Wanda as we trip back into flashback montage, accompanied by another Lopez Anderson theme song, this one with lyrics, who's been messing up everything, it's big and it's all along. <clears throat> yep, fantastic song. <clears throat> That's, that, that, that slaps. Uh, the montage reveals that Agatha has been nip- manipulating all of Wanda and Vision's sitcom mishaps, though it doesn't explain why. And if you look, if you look back on these um, recaps, it's very different than we saw it the first time, right? Like everything that yeah. sort of happened, they didn't uh, show it in the way we saw it originally. Like the scene, right. especially with the scene where Vision is talking to Ag- uh, Agnes in the, le- in the last episode. Nothing, nothing happened there. <laughs> like he saw it. Like we saw it. But that was very interesting. Um, well, no, he did look away. He did look away to. Uh, oh. oh, is that what you're saying? I'm saying like yes, the way Could- we saw it, and the way uh, the way Wanda and Vision saw the events happening in front of them, I think, did not happen the way we thought it happened. I think Agnes was putting a, a veil in front of everybody's eyes the entire time. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, because Vision was like sitting there, and he was like pointing. He was like, "I remember the speech he was giving. Me. He's like, I'm going to get, 
I'm going to go past this hex beyond the hex and see what is out there. And while he was pointing at the hex and oh. looking at the hex, she's oh. like doing her makeup in the mirror. Oh, like that part actually did happen. Oh, okay. Well, a lot of there, it though. All of it kind of happened. The only one I, the only one I don't really remember happening or really what seemed trivial was when they were doing their magic show and she was kind of sitting that, in the crowd, yeah, that. twiddling stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like maybe there were some. I think there was actually some adjustments they made to some of the uh, lookbacks. Like, if you, I think they showed. Um, I don't know. There was a couple of them that didn't line up completely correctly. So I because th- they had a uh, they had the one where she sit in the yard. Quick, so Silver was one, at the door. Yeah, I don't think she was there. Like, yeah. I, I think we would have. Well, known she was in the yard. She was in the Wanda yard. Wanda didn't know she was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she wasn't in the house or anything. Right, 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 right. Hmm. Anyways, uh, it was it was basically that kind of thing where it's like she's off to the side conjuring everything. Sure, and it's like oh, yeah, I'm in the bushes, you know. Yeah, big reveal, big reveal. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So uh, we smash cut to that damnable police and bike title card. Wait, though this week wait, there's a wait, twist. Wait, 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 yep. Wait, wait, wait. Pause. You left out the biggest part. Uh, she did kill the dog. <laughs> she did kill, and I killed Sparky which, too. Which actually, I'm gonna go out Hayward again. This was the kind of thing I was talking about where Hayward needs to do something completely villainous to turn the audience on them. If, if Hayward was like, yeah, I killed the dog. <laughs> everybody would hate Hayward. This listen, is what he needed to do. Listen. And they gave it to Agatha. <laughs> was the dog even alive? Was the dog even real? Come on. <laughs> is anything really? Are the twins? Are the twins? Where are the twins? I don't know. Are we even real? Are we in a simulation? Who knows? Right? Right. We're in her simulation. We're in the hacks, bro. Uh, Evan Peters' name shows up in the final credits despite only a brief appearance in the previously on segment in Ethica's montage, but it turns out he did a little bit more to earn his paycheck for this, for this episode. In a surprise mid-credits sequence, we see Monica snooping around Agnes' house only to be con- confronted by Pietro. Well, no, that's not Pietro. It's Peter, right? Peter. Peter, yeah. They said Pietro here. Yes. Snooper's going to snoop, just like uh seems like a fourth... Fourth wall breaking thing. Talking about talking I d- to the I audience. I didn't think he said that. I don't. Th- I didn't think he said that the first time I watched that. Oh, I thought he said terrible. I thought he said costume sucks. Her costume sucks. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I didn't realize I was so far off. I went back and I had to wow. listen to it. And I was like, oh wow, Jesus, wow. how did I get stupid costume or whatever? I Is had? that what you were thinking? Which was actually funnier because I actually laughed when I heard, when I thought that he said stupid costume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the episode. That's where it left off. Um, let's see. Oh, some notes I have. Um, so speaking to the theory that could be still Mephisto, could be a nightmare overall controlling everything. Well, not controlling everything, but in cohorts with Agnes. Uh, Agnes's magic is purple, but the book in the ma- in the basement's uh, the book in the basement's energy is orange. So that is a that is a clue that could lead us to believe that some somebody else another another essence is in there controlling everything i suppose you're also getting on board with the fact that scarlet witch is red and vision is green sure yes yeah yeah so there's there's specific color magic yep. roles and now yep. we have seen an orange one so we're confused as what that be okay yeah. uh they talked about on uh, this week's vanity <laughs> fair podcast the possibility of al pacino playing the devil a.k.a. Mephisto. Yeah. That could be a thing. Nice. Yeah, because he played the devil already in Devil's Advocate. Devil's and, Advocate, uh, yeah. Huh? That was a good movie. That was a good movie. It was a very good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, overall, very good episode. Um, two more two more to go. So, can't wait for those. Anything else you want to talk about from this episode? I got some, yeah, I got, yeah, I got some stuff. Go ahead. Um, 
So Hayward is trying to revive Risen Vision. Blah, 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 blah. Sorry, mm-hmm. easy for me to say. Yeah. Uh, Wu basically confirmed that they they were like, "Ooh, cataract." Uh, yep. But you know, saying Vision and cataract in the same sentence kind of is like, "All right, now people probably see that moving forward." Yeah. Uh, I have a question though. Go ahead. Um, so clearly he's trying to get Vision back, and my mind immediately went to Wonder Woman eighty four. Are we going to have a scenario where Vision is telling Wanda that? You need to let me go because he wants to use me as a weapon and yeah. he's not going to be able to stop it. Yeah. And Wanda's gonna is Wanda going to be able to do the thing? Because this whole series is based on Wanda not being able to do the thing. Yeah. And that's like leave vision in the past. <laughs> She's gonna have to watch you know? him die or kill him twice. Kill him for a second time, watch yeah. him die for well, a third thinking, time. Yeah. A third time, right? Jesus. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just thinking, you know, that could be the complete possibility, but is vision gonna have to mansplain? why Wanda has to let him go, even though Wanda is super powerful. <laughs> you know, Just like the Wanda, the Wonder Woman thing. Wanda, sure. Wanda, get it? It's right there. It's right in front of our faces. You're not paying attention if you don't see it. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> unexpected things. I, I got it in expected things, unexpected things, you know, categories. Uh, the kiddos, are they imaginary? I don't know. I They weren't there. Are, are they the animals now? I, I was kind of confused to where that was going. So... It, are, Oh, wait, no. One of them was holding the rabbit before, so they yeah. couldn't be the animals, correct? They, they can't be okay. animals, but they said something on uh, the Vanity Fair podcast about how um, the, bu- the bug on the window that Wanda looks at is a cicada, and cicadas have a life cycle where I think they're born from another animal dying, and, and the, the, the cicada comes out of it. Ew. So I think if you're going by, if you follow the logic all the way to the end there, um, the kids are just a pod or they're they're a thing to be used to birth something else. The vessel. The vessel, exactly. Right, to I birth something you. else. Yep. All right. Uh so is Quicksilver Agatha's doing? Um did she pull Quicksilver? Because they because Rambo said that Quicksilver was not them. Well, like, yeah, like uh Monica said that it wasn't sword, however, like I said in, the, in our text messages, um, Hayward is not telling her everything. Hayward is not telling Monica everything. So I think it's entirely possible that Sword did something to bring him in. Uh, Agatha, I think if you go back and look at the basement uh, down there, they have multiple doors going different places. So I think this is, uh, they could introduce the multiverse there where they could say, yeah, we have have multiple doors here, multiple portals. Uh, One of those portals probably leads to the Fox universe, Fox X-Men universe. So the mul- the multiverse starts in Agatha's basement in New Jersey. Exactly. Nice. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, th- uh, we go to that commercial. We missed the commercial. Nexus. Nexus. Yep. Yeah. That uh, th- this whole episode was based pretty heavily around depression. Yep. Um, and, and you know you notice when Marvel starts talking about depression, they got to get real funny about it. Yeah. Uh, you kind of saw it in in Thor. Yeah. Where it was just like he, when Fat Thor was even a thing, everyone's like, "Oh, Fat Thor's hilarious." And I even had to be explained that the point that he was like. He, this was coping. He he was he he got fat because he's dealing with the weight of um, not killing Thanos the way he should have been killed, mm. and resulting in you know the snap. True. And this this whole thing is like it seems like Marvel gets super funny when uh, depression is, was is involved. Like how many times were we watching those uh, office style interviews and Wanda's like so close to breaking each time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there were times it was like. It, it pushed the boundary of uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, like two or three times. 
and it, 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 it's fun. It's funny, but <laughs> also remember that Wanda, you know, is 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 going through a whole hell of a lot, yeah. and just just keep in mind that she's completely uh, devastated. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but it, um, it's definitely a defense mechanism. Like that's what everyone uses. A lot of people use <laughs> to deflect the uh, yeah real life and uh, deflect uh, depression and deflect um, you know dealing with problems like that anxiety and depression things like that so yeah um the thing about the nexus is uh nexus is term used in the marvel as their uh the nexus point is like the the point at which all of the multiverses diverge onto so isn't it like she's a a special she's a nexus being or something like that too right like i think from what i understood was that you can have a multiverse there can be multiple quicksilvers but scarlet witch transcends all of that and there is only one Scarlet Witch, and she that makes her a Nexus being. Oh, am I wrong with that? Do you know anything about I that? I haven't heard anything about that. No. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe I just pulled that out of my ass. <laughs> if I did, yeah. Marvel, get on it. <laughs> and my last thing I got uh, the same, the same, almost the same day. Uh, these things happen. NASA lands a new rover on Mars. Yep. Rick Roll can be viewed in 4K. <laughs> And the Cruella trailer drops. Yeah. And this episode has like a tribute to all of that. Yeah. Agatha kills dogs. They drive a state-of-the-art ra- uh, uh, moon rover yep. into the hex. Uh, it does not end well. Right. And this whole episode was goddamn Rickroll. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. I like the connections there. Yeah. Good work. I thought that was pretty funny that the, all three of those things. Good. Yeah. Uh, you can, you can culturally uh, uh, come back a pop culture moment in this WandaVision episode. Yes. The, that was good content. Even though smart Jersey doesn't like the word content, you brought good content to the show. Oh, thanks. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Very good. So, think that'll wrap up our discussion on WandaVision episode seven. So why don't we get to, uh, after the break and take a break real quick so I can take a pee pee. And then we'll get to our, uh, review of Judas and the black Messiah. We'll be right back. Bye-bye. Yeah. Let me talk about uh more combo real quick. Okay. Did you watch that trailer? Uh, yes. Yes. Very good. Very good trailer. Okay. Um, the, the, right. you think so? That's amazing trailer. It's, it's what the internet. I love uh, R-rated trailers. I love trailers that uh, give the audience what they want. Um, I love the Sub Zero stabbing the dude, freezing the dude's blood, stabbing again with his blood. That was incredible. Hell yeah, dude! That's yeah. what I want to talk about. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> incredible trailer. Yeah. What do you think of the trailer? I thought it was great, dude. That scene, that scene got me so hype. I was like, I had to watch that twice. I didn't realize what happened. He gashed him, and then there was like this pause, and I was like, wow, is it's not really that bad. Like, did I just miss something? It turns out I did miss something. He, he froze the man's blood. He froze Scorpion's blood in air, turned it into a dagger and stabbed him yep. with it. I was like, yep, Oh yep, yep. damn. On the second watch, that was, that was amazing. <laughs> I mean, all the money they're throwing in this thing, it, it's, it's gotta be at least a little entertaining. I don't even care if it sucks. Like you remember watching the first Mortal Kombat when you were younger? Yeah. You ever watch that? Yeah. Oh man, that got me so hype. I'm just, I'm ready for this. My body is ready. I say, um, the only problem that I had, um, I think the guy that got to play Scorpion is awesome. I think, um, I don't know if you read up on him, but he, he's basically your, he was in Westworld. He's in basically any movie where there's a, a uh, samurai, yep. uh, uh, a katana, yep. like that's the dude swinging it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he's now Scorpion 
and he had the the iconic get over here and okay i get it and it i, I i'm fine with it i'm fine with it i thought he did a fine job with it yeah. but it is very hard to get out of my head uh not hearing um uh boone do the get over here oh yeah the one from the Mortal Kombat game yeah. i think that's just one thing like if you had to pick one thing in Mortal Kombat that kind of all right, two things uh, that had to transcend everything. It's the theme song, which you didn't actually hear in that, but you heard like some undertones of the actual theme song. So I'm gonna let it go. Yep. And and it has to be, uh, uh, Ed Boon. That's his name, right? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Doing the 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 get over here. That has to be him. I don't care who's doing the role. I don't care if it's like, oh well, that's uh that's a Japanese actor and and that's a white man, so he can't say get over here because it wouldn't make sense. It doesn't matter <laughs> because Mortal Kombat. It's just this game. It's it's a video game adaptation. So who's really splitting hairs here? <laughs> if you're watching this movie, you're not watching this because you think it's going to be like, oh, I can't wait to see a nominated for uh, an Oscar or something yeah. like that. You're just you're in it for like the things that you remember as a kid. And the, the, get over here. I'm just going to keep saying it. Get over here over and <laughs> over again because <laughs> I'm just hoping they listen. And, you know, maybe mix up. He did a fine job with it. He did a fine job with it. But no, it's, but yeah, I'm so hyped for more yes, comedy. Yes, yes, uh, I, I am as well. Let's bring it on, buddy. That's again. That's one of those things that we're missing out on not having in theaters. I would pay so much money to see that in theaters with other people. I would. Yeah, isn't that funny? Where it's like I'm sitting here saying that I don't think I'd go spend twenty bucks on the uh, the the Kristen Wiig movie, but I'm ready to just toss everything I have at Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody go watch that trailer. It's hype. If you like Mortal Kombat, or if you don't, yeah, you know, get on it. Maybe you become a fan. All right. Uh, All right, let's go. So, yes, with that, let me plug in the thing here. Let's get to our, our review of Judas and the Black Messiah. Deputy Chairman Fred Hampton of the Illinois Black Panther Party. Repeat after me. So that is from the trailer for Jewish and the Black Messiah, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, and Jesse Plemons, directed by Shaka King. It's the story of Fred Hampton, chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party, and the faithful betrayal by FBI informant William O'Neill. So <clears throat> this is, I usually throw it to you to get your first impressions, but I'm just going to say this is one of my favorite movies I've seen in a very, very long time. Uh, I gave this movie a 10 out of 10. Um, absolutely phenomenal breathtaking uh, uh, acting by everybody involved, especially Daniel Kaluuya and Keith Stanfield. Um, the woman that played his his wife was incredible. Incredible movie, incredible acting, incredible story. I was, I was just blown away by this film. Amazing, amazing. So, Dion, try that again. What did you think yeah. of Judas and the Black Messiah? I thought it was a good movie, man. Uh, it's funny because you were actually, um, I remember you kind of wanted to talk about this last weekend. Yes. Uh, you said you watched it, and uh, you're like, you're going to watch this? And I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can feel the disappointment in your text. Yeah. And then I actually got around to watching it, and I'm like, I remember hitting you up. I was like, ah, that's a good movie. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I really, I, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, it was interesting. I, I didn't know this story, um, this character. Um, this He existed after 
uh, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. I, I don't know how many people actually are aware of this man's story. Um, and it's just, I remember, um, thinking, uh, when you told me to watch that, um, small acts, uh, the one where they were dancing. Yep. Lovers rock. Lovers rock. Lovers yep. rock. And, uh, it was a house party and, and you, you were like baffled that I, I thought it was terrible. <laughs> oh, then I think it was terrible, no. but the first half was something and the second half turned into something yep. else. And it's just, there was like this, uh, even in the, in the face of all that turmoil, how there could be uh, black on black violence uh, or, or crime when when the the white person is in front of you just just being this constant uh, awful presence, and then you you kind of see it in this where um, Kalua's character it has to deal with uh, spoilers everybody, but um, there's there's a there's a character in it with the William O'Neill who's working as a double agent for feds. And it's like, man, like, do you not understand? I, I listen, I don't know. I'm up. It's my privilege. I'm, I'm just saying it, but like the struggle you guys are going through, I just don't understand how you chose that side. And it's just a weird, weird thing to consider when you're, when you're hearing about all this, you don't hear the, the other side of the story where not all black people, it wasn't like perfect with them. And it, I think that's an interesting topic to start uh, addressing, or, or you know, showing things like this. I thought that I thought that was interesting, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. When you talk about like, uh, why are you? Why is there infighting? Why is there, you know, uh, black on black violence? Why is there, uh, you know, the struggle to um, get to a better life, to to reform structural racism, to, to reform institutions is the fight that matters. Why are you, you know, fighting amongst yourselves? And I think it's something you could you could uh, say about working class people. Why are working class people fighting against each other? Why are working class people uh, fighting each other, mm. uh, saying we don't need uh, fifteen dollars an hour? That'll make inflation go up. You know, that's that we have such bullshit, such petty arguments amongst ourselves, among amongst working class people against each other. You know, and we all know that the rich are and the ruling class are the actual enemy in the fight. But you could make the same argument of like, why why do working class people, why do poor people uh, fight against each other? Yeah, why? Do, true. Yeah. So it's a it's a very easy thing to do because the working class people and the poor the poor and the working class are the people that we see every day. We don't interact with the rich. We don't inter interact with the ruling class. So it's a very, it's an easier fight to have. It's easier to fight against your neighbors and it's, it's easier to fight against the other people that you see every day than to fight against some sort of uh, monolithic, some sort of uh, institutional powers. You can't fight, you know, the, the 1%. You can't fight the rich, the quote unquote rich. So who who can you fight? You can fight against the people that are there you see every day, and the, you sort of uh, take on that fight. So you you take on the fight you think you win. So I think that's part of it. And, uh, it's interesting because I mean, uh, this uh, the risk that William O'Neill's character ran yeah. is much higher than anything that like we're talking about, like dealing with working class people. Um, I I just feel I they talked about another informant. Uh, apparently so from another chapter of the There's black presence was them. what they found out. And yeah. And, um, you know, that dude ends up getting killed and everything. And it's like, well, that that's, that's the risk you run. When, when we're talking about like, just, just the kind of struggle that we have right now, it's like your life's not on the line. Like 
I'm looking at this picture right now that we have in the, in the dock when they're uh, the Black Panthers went to the um, what was the other group called? Yeah, I forgot what the, um, they had the name. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. It was like some other Chicago chapter. Right. That, um, not exactly Black Panthers, but you know, it's just kind of like you're on our turf. Like yep. you need to check yourself. And he's like standing there. And you think about it, he's not on either of these people's sides. He's on the cop's side. The white cops. Who's on the white cop's side? Like, hold on, hold on. Who's on the white cop's side? Uh, William O'Neill. Oh, I thought, okay, okay. All right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just, I'm just saying that the danger that he was putting himself in was like, while his his what he did was dastardly like the balls on this man True. well yeah you're he's <laughs> hey, you're working for you're working for somebody too that it's not going to appreciate you in the end but, you're still a black person to yeah. them and you are still beneath them and it's just crazy that you ever think that your life is going to be free after this like you're going to be constantly afraid of retaliation from either of these chapters on top of the fact that the cops constantly have an idea of where you are or we'll be able sure, to find yeah. you like you now you're wanted by three groups it's just crazy when you get yourself in that hole like yeah. and his character was a very interesting character i almost feel like this movie could be his story well in a way it was his story right it, it was, says yeah. like uh fred hampton daniel kluwer like but uh, this this feels like it could be the story of william O'Neill. it is and that's why you have in the doc here like why did uh why did Danny Kaluuya get supporting actor? It's because it is, like you said, it is yeah. William O'Neill's story and it is the Keith Stanfield playing him. So that's your answer right there, I guess. <laughs> that's weird. I just feel like you would get that. When you, I remember you were, you were, you were talking about how Kaluuya, uh, you, you, you thought that he should be a younger person to, to, to mobilize people. But speaking, just, just admitting that fact right there, that William O'Neill was the main character. It's almost like, um, I don't. I don't know how old uh, Stanfield is. I actually didn't check that, but Both I think we 30s. all we found out that the supporting cast is basically all yeah, thirties and yeah. whatever. But it would be interesting. That would have worked. Where it, what if Stanfield's character yeah. was a younger person? Yeah. I guess it would probably send the wrong message since he was actually a traitor. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, just yeah, just to get uh, piggyback on your points here. Why is he putting himself in this position? Well. Uh, William O'Neill at that point was a 17 year old. He was 17 year olds when that happened. Uh, like we were saying, the um, everyone in the, in this story extremely <clears throat> extremely young people, and I'll get to that point in a second. But uh, saying like, why is he making these decisions? Uh, we've had this discussion before about how young people are pretty fucking dumb. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like you, you're, you're, if you're a young person, you make bad decisions all the time. We talked about that with uh, never right. really, sometimes always. It's like, why did this person make the decision? Well, 17. <laughs> why did like, why did William O'Neill make the decision? He's fucking 17 years old. Like what, how many good decisions were you making when you were 17? Probably not many. Um, True. Yeah. And it's, and I didn't realize he was actually 17 at yeah. the time of this either. Yeah. So then that makes a lot more yeah. sense yeah. where you could be blinded by money and, uh, and and this isn't like such like you're not invested in this at 30. I feel like your 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 side is you've picked your side. Yeah. Your line is drawn, and, and you know what you're doing. At 17, yeah, yeah, his, I, I get that. His completely. age, like, 17, it's like it's me. It, it fucked the world. His age is only one part of it too. You got to think like you were saying uh, when you're talking about um, what's the show uh, Better Call Saul. Like the 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 legal system, the criminal justice system is so fucked that if you commit a small petty crime, it's either you're going away for five to ten years. 
Or how about we do a plea deal where you do this, this, and this, and you'll maybe serve two or three years and you'll get probation. It's it's plea deals and bargaining, plea bargaining, all that shit's been around forever. And this is just another example of it where, you know, he's he's doing some bad shit. Like <laughs> I think I texted you like, oh yeah, he just yeah. he got caught up in the legal system. Well, he was he was pretending to be an FBI officer, and that's a that's a major no-no <laughs> that's a major True. federal crime so you can't just brush it off like hey eh, you got cut up with legal system it's not really that um yeah. yeah consider he's also black too so it's going to multiply by two at that time period. yeah you can't cut him too much slack as far as like he's just a young dumb kid and he got caught up in a, in a, in a you know non-serious crime he was he was committing very serious crimes and knowingly doing it but uh yeah he, he had two sure. options like go to go to go to jail for a very long time and again 17 at being 17 somebody telling you your life your next 10 years of your life are going to be behind bars that's a that's a major uh sword to hang above your somebody's head at that age so that's that's sort of the the situation he's dealing with so as far as answering your question of like why is he doing this why is he put himself in this position well it's because he's he either it's either jail or not jail and pretending to be somebody he's not and i think he could he put himself in a couple of positions like that scene in the car where uh the woman asked him like who are you what are you doing you know you stole a car and did you really steal a car well prove it did you you know prove you stole the car and prove you how wired it how wired the car right now and just that look in his face of him trying to trying to pretend to be tough pretend to be like somebody he's not and pretending he knows how to do this very incredible scene um but yeah that's that's basically why he was doing what he was doing in my yeah. mind. Yeah, and to, and to your point, too, you didn't say this on the podcast, but uh, you did mention that you, you thought the cast should be younger. And while I said that, I didn't realize, recognize that this guy was supposed to be 17. I also think that like if this man was like 20-something, I feel like any amount of time that you spend with this crew, the, the crew that he was, he was rolling with, you would, at some point, it kind of it kind of touched on it too, where he in the end he had to make his final decision on what what he was going to do. Was he going to completely help the cops, or was he going to just kind of be like, "No, dude, I'm out. Screw this. It's not worth it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn on my my bros and 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 everything like that." And you would imagine, I feel like if he was like twenty something, you do you feel like if you were his character, you would get caught up in yeah. it, where you'd be like, "All right, yeah. I'm starting to believe this hype now." Like, yeah, yeah, and I. If he was, if he showed me that he was seventeen, if I knew that he was seventeen while watching this movie, which I I, I don't think I knew, um, that explains it too. Where it's like seventeen, where it's just like you think you know everything, yep. you, you think you got uh, everything planned out. I can see where they're listen to my story, man. Like they're out to get us. And he's like, nah, I'm I'm bigger than this. I'll figure yep. this out myself. I don't yep. need anybody help. But like, yeah, if they were older. Like I could see him turning around, and this this whole thing would have ended a lot differently. Yeah, yeah. So let's get to the the, the old to the to the age thing. Um, I have a couple of notes here. Um, so yeah, uh, young people are just like any marginalized group. Uh, they're black, brown, Asian, Latino. Uh, they see themselves represented on screen. If you see themselves, if a young person see themselves represented on screen in scenarios they often are excluded from, uh, it can make them realize that they can affect. They can help affect deep systemic change on a political level. So you got you have the one point of a uh, let's say seventeen year old, nineteen eighteen, nineteen year old seeing themselves on screen. That's one. That's one thing. That's just one point of see, of having influence and having an effect on a young person. Just seeing themselves on screen. Um, I remember watching um, uh, Shia LaBeouf's early early movies and seeing it with Kevin and Melvin, being like them being like, "Holy shit! <laughs> a person our age can be." 
on screen they can be an actor holy shit and I, you know that's be very uh oh, very man. F- watch out for that yeah <laughs> very shallow buff is not a, a very good positive thing to be referencing right now <laughs> oh shia labeouf oh there's a huge thing over there shia labeouf well yeah. i'm just saying like shia labeouf being a young actor can be influential to other young people okay yes i guess but uh I hear you. so on top of that if you are seeing them in a position like um fred hampton was in when he's 18 19 20 years old again he was murdered when he was 21 he started being politically active when he was 14 years old i was listening to a podcast with his son with fred, fred hampton jr and his mother and uh, uh ryan coogler the producer of this movie and the director of this movie and uh, Lakeith Stanfield, they were all having an interview this week uh, on a podcast called um, Judas and the Black Messiah. If you look that up, you can find it. Um, it's a podcast, a very good podcast. But uh, they were saying how, um, or no, I'm saying that they are playing people that are extremely young. You see somebody, when he was, he became politically active when he was 14, Fred Hampton was, and he started getting his phone tapped. He thought he was going to use phone tip at 14. So I think if you're a young person and you think you look at uh, the, the political landscape when you're a kid and you're like, okay, I'm 18, 19 years old. What am I, what can I really do to affect change? And you see all these people that are, you know, you have to be 35 to be president. You have to be such an age to be a congressman. You know, that, that barrier of entry of seeing everyone who's in, involved in politics is so much older than yourself. And just, I remember thinking like when I'm 19 years old and like, oh, 30, I have to be 35 to be president. I have to be, so, you know, 30 seemed like so far away when you're 18, 19 years old and you think that's your only option to make a change, make a difference in the world. Then it does, I think, make a difference if you're gonna watch this movie and see somebody and know that person that's that's doing all of these things that's making a change in their community is there is there is there is a peer of them you know is their same age i think seeing somebody that looks like you on screen make a difference can have a big change in somebody's mind that's all i'm saying yeah no no i and and it's funny because when you put up the reference point and it was like kalua should have been younger and uh I was like, I, I I understand what you were saying, but at the same time, I was I was looking at like Kalua Star Power would bring more eyes to the movie, yeah. which would in fact almost have like a similar effect where it's maybe uh, the sheer numbers of it all, more people watching, uh, equals more people you might touch as opposed to having someone that nobody really knew, but was younger, and you'll have like the people that were empowered because like damn, this is actually a young person, but you probably have less eyes on the product as a whole, anyways, yep. but. It's funny because I, while I understood that argument, had William's or William O'Neill's character been portrayed younger, I, I now see exactly what you're saying. Where yeah. <laughs> I mean, I see it like perfectly. Where it's just like even in my head, like if I knew that he was 17, that answers a lot more questions why he actually goes through with everything that he he yeah. did. Where if he was actually a 30 year old man, which, you know, looking at this picture, a lot of, they all look pretty much their age. It's kind of like crazy to think that, Hey, he didn't get caught up in the hype. So the age thing, you know, absolutely. Now that I'm looking at it like this, except it's funny because I'm, I'm not looking at it as Kalua's character, but as in uh Stanfield's character, yeah. where it's like, Holy shit. Yeah. If he was younger. Yeah. I get it. hundred percent. He, uh, I got it before, but I mean, I'm saying I'm, I'm feeling so it So I now. got the Wikipedia pulled up for William O'Neill. Uh, so in 1966, he was 17 years old, caught by FBI agent uh, Martin Mitchell, uh, tracked O'Neill down for stealing a car and driving across state lines. In exchange for having his felonies charges dropped, O'Neill agreed to infiltrate the Panthers as a, as a counterintelligence operative. 
Um, so he did that when he was 17. Um, so three years later, he would have been 20. So that's when uh, Fred Hampton died. Uh, William O'Neill died at age 40 from suicide after the uh, documentary came out that, that they had the show at the end there. That was a very impactful uh, uh, review at the end where they had um, uh, Lakeith Stanfield playing William O'Neill, uh, recreating the interview through parts of this movie. Um, but then at the end, at the very end, you have the actual William, William O'Neill being interviewed and he's just said, you know, did what I had to <laughs> basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People were saying that, you know, he was saying that he's like, uh, people talk a big game, but you know, like it's easy to talk when you're sitting there, you know, like, Oh, I would have done this. I would have done that, but I was actually doing it. And for better or worse, I did something yeah. I contributed. And that's more than a lot of other people could yeah. say. And, and it's funny because it, it comes off. So, 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 uh, matter of fact, so in a way, almost like badass, like, all right, you understand what you did and, and you were a player in the game and you understand that and, and you're not afraid to admit that. But then I guess once that documentary, uh, cause that's where they were pulling the footage from. Once that documentary aired, he, uh, he ended up committing suicide <laughs> the following day or that night or something like yeah. that. So you, th- you, you think about that and it's like, all right, well, Maybe he 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 did believe the hype, and because they were asking him questions like, "What what would you say to your son yeah. when you had yeah. to explain this to him?" And that's that's what he was addressing. And it's just like, "All right, well, I guess he didn't believe what he was saying. Like this this clearly was a tough decision for him." Yeah. So very interesting. Yeah. Um. Just a couple of performances I want to point out because we talked about uh, Daniel Clue and Lakeith Sanfield. Really good performance by Jesse Plemons. He's one of these. He's one of those guys. <laughs> I think if we did top five, those guys, <laughs> he'd guy, be in the man. top three. I think Jesse Plemons would be. Um. He plays the same thing in everything he does. Sure. Uh, it's not the same role, but it's the same kind of character where it's just like the slow talking, the the I, I talk softly, but you're listening kind yeah. of thing. You know, like it's, it's crazy how how it's like when I see his face, I'm like, I just want to smush <laughs> it. <laughs> but man, is his his delivery is just like top notch, yeah. and I I think that's part yeah. of it right there. It's not just his face; it's the stuff that's coming out of his face. <laughs> When you say smush it, do you mean like in a good way? Like, oh, you just want to smush your little face, or you just want to like No, no, crush I want to smush it in the bad way. The bad way. Okay. <laughs> I want to crush it. <laughs> because, because it's just, it's the character that he's oozing, sure, and sure. I mean, it's great for him. It's working. He's getting the business, but my mm, God, yeah. if I knew a man like that, we would not be friends, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, also, Dominique Fishback playing uh, Fred Hampton's wife, Deborah Johnson, was incredible. Incredible performance by her as well, especially at, at the end. Um the, when when you know Fred Hampton is in bed there and they have the raid on his house and the cameras just focus on her face and you you hear the cops in the background saying you know I think he's he's still alive bam bam not anymore and then just the camera staying on her yeah. face the entire time incredible I think he'll pull through huh? uh, I think the the quote was I think I think this guy's gonna pull, pull through, through yeah. and then you hear pop pop yep. Uh, what did you think of Martin Sheen as J. Edgar Hoover? A couple scenes, they had a couple scenes with him in there. Um, he came off uh, a little tyrannical, right. I'd yeah. say. I'm, I'm, I don't know if that's actually how it went down or anything, but yeah, just kind of standing in front of that film projector in the room and, and saying, "This is the greatest threat that our nation's facing yeah. and will ever face." It's just, uh, just pretty wild yeah. that, uh. That 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 event even occurred like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, just going back to uh, I think you mentioned a few weeks ago. You're just like, yeah, this this 
topics are heavy. It's a very um, stressful <laughs> topics to to uh, uh, inform yourself of. You know, I think in the past six months we've, we've or the past year, I'll go back to even uh, Watchmen, uh, learning about the the Tulsa race massacre, learning about Mangrove, that whole thing. Uh, now, now this, it's just uh, very eye opening. I think, uh, and having you know, when you when you have your eyes open, when you sort of uh, are aware of these events and what's going on, um, yeah, it's very can be very. Um, I don't know what the right word is. What do, what do you what do you think about <laughs> just all this learning about all this shit over the past you know year or so? Um, I mean, it's very eye-opening, and it's funny when people say it doesn't exist, and I understand when people say that it seems like they get tired of it. I mean, I've said it too, where it's just like, I feel like I can only watch one of these things um, a week yeah. or something like that. And I understand why people would be like, I, you know, I, I don't want to keep watching this because it's, it's it's crazy, and at some point, they start rehashing the same things, but it's, it's, it's just a, a different story being told, but this in particular I think was a was different than um, most anything else I've watched right now, where it was, it was kind of like um, you just had somebody turn their back on their own. And it was just, it was just a very fascinating, uh, I don't know, just, just, just very fascinating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, the fact that it actually happened and, and, and this is a person that kind of was being propelled up like, uh, like an MLK or a, um, um, Malcolm X, like I don't know, his voice was, it sounded like it was going to be very prominent and yeah. it just kind of like ended before it even started yeah. in a way. So just, uh, just, yeah, I don't know. It, it was, it was very interesting. I'll, I'll say that. And, uh, it was a good watch for me. Yeah. Yeah. We're coming to the end here. So just wrapping up. Um, yeah, it cannot be overstated. It cannot be over, over, uh, emphasized the, the, the acting of, of Danny Clue in this movie is just so powerful, so impactful. So, so just, <laughs> if you saw this guy in real life, you'd just be like, holy fuck. Just, man, really, really amazing. Very, uh, the, the chemistry, the, uh, uh, charisma of this character and what Daniel Kalula did with it just brought, brought him to life amazingly. And yeah, one of the, one of the best performances I've seen in a very, very, very long time. So, yeah. Yeah. Just the way he would talk is just uh, amazing. Yeah, it was funny. Cause they even had the, uh, Jesse Plemons character, like actually list, sitting in listening to some of the stuff he was saying. Yeah. He was like, damn, like, you, you're convincing. Yes. Yeah. Like you're good at what you do. What did you, <laughs> and it's true. Like I'll sit there and be totally entertained not entertained, but like, I just, I'd be like, yeah, all right, I could, I could see myself getting caught up in, in anything that's coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Just one last question to like the, again, you, you just reminded me of the Jesse Plemons being influenced by him. What do you, what do you think about them? trying to humanize him or give him sympathy when he walks in, you know, there's a part in this movie where Jesse Plemons character walks in and, and they tell him like what their plan is to like kill him, to kill uh, Fred Hampton. Right. And he's sort of like, you know, he's clearly not okay with it. Do you think it was, uh, you know, fa uh, factual? Do you think it was uh, um, pulling your heartstrings? Do you think they should have gave that character any sort of uh, sympathy or not? Um, it's tough. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, as bad as everything like that was, um, you, you have to imagine there were some people, obviously there's, there's people that, um, don't believe, uh, that, that, that should be, it, it seemed like his character was one of those people where it's like, he, he brought him into his house and like, you know, it wasn't, he seemed like he was genuinely like trying to help him at times. 
Well, he explained to him, like, unfortunately, this isn't how it works. Like, you need to give me stuff. I, I, I give you stuff. Like, we'll work this out. And I think he was actually kind of feeling an attachment for it. I don't think he wanted really anyone to die. I think he, there are good cops out there. And I think he might have been one of those good cops where, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's true. Like I said, this whole story is new to me, new to me and they didn't really give too much detail about um, Roy Mitchell's character. But um, there's good cops out there and they want to do the right thing. And let's face it, if he tried to, if you were in there with uh, Hoover and your police captain and you're going to be like, wait, 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 wait. This is what we're doing. Like that—that's not the plan. We could we could put him in jail, and then you got you got the director of the FBI yeah. sitting there saying, "No, yeah, we're not doing it like that." Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Your career is over. You make a stand. How do you know that you're not going to be the next on the chopping block? You know, like the 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 Fred Hampton yeah. chopping block. Yeah, you know, because you are a loose end. It's a, it's a liability for anyone that was in the service to be like, all right, well. You're out of here. And it's like, are you really just out of yeah. here? It's like uh, what what Mitchell's character was telling O'Neill. That's not how this works. You can't just up and leave. If you're not with us, unfortunately, you're against us. And he probably felt that same way. Like, I can't leave. I can't uh, go against this. Otherwise, this is going to destroy my family, destroy me. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what they're capable of? Yeah. So I feel like sympathy could be uh, in store. It's hard to... I guess give a white person sympathy in a movie like this, but if anyone deserved it, it was probably him. And like I said, I don't know what his actual character in real life yeah. or if the Roy Mitchell character even exists. Sometimes they like to add things into it, but what'd you think? Um, yeah, I think you're right that there are good cops out there and they do want, do want to do the right thing. And if I was in that situation, I would have done exactly what he did. Just go along with it because you're not moving that <laughs> boat. You're not influencing his decision whatsoever. Um, it that right. that wasn't the only thing that he was when they revealed everything. I don't want to reveal everything that he said, but he said a lot of things that uh, Jesse Plum's character didn't know was going on. If you remember what I'm talking about, yeah, yeah. a lot of things were still yeah. were going on behind the scenes that were revealed in that conversation. And uh, yeah, I think anybody with a, with a, with conscience at all, <laughs> with empathy for any of you, a fellow human being would I think be moved in that situation. So I think it was correct to, uh, to show that in his face. And uh, yeah, I agree with you that um, even if you wanted to, there's just nothing he could do to change the outcome of that. So, yep. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a good, uh, good thought, good, good idea to, uh, not so like i mean some movies call for it um i like <laughs> i don't want to keep going back like i don't know the full story about this but it, it is nice to refreshing to have this like scenario where it's like in a world where these black people are going through everything that they're going through there is there could be a white person that was on their side and it, it's it's i'm not saying like i need it uh but it's just it's nice to see yeah. and uh, hopefully you know that's what Jesse Plemons character was, uh, um, you know, actually it was sincere and maybe uh, hopefully he exists and, you know, that's the way it really went down. It, 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 that is, that is, uh, I don't know. Good to see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think we'll wrap it up there. Good but, movie. Um, like I said, this is one of the most impactful, one of the most, um, incredible, uh, performance I've saw this year. One of the most, one of the best movies I've seen this year so far. Um, definitely hopefully, uh, Danny Clue is going to be up for Oscars. The movie itself is going to be up for Oscars. 
Um, like I love the score. The music was very well. You didn't, we didn't touch on that very much, but I love the music in this as well. Um, yeah, I, I really hope yeah. this is uh, going to be nominated and win a whole bunch of awards going forward. But yeah, that was our. What's this up for? Uh, Golden Globes. Golden Globes. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> let me see. This wasn't for Best Picture, right? It was. We, we already talked about. I that. believe it's not in the Best Picture. I believe. Um, is it? I can look for it here. Uh, so best picture drama, uh, not up, not in there, not in the musical or comedy because neither of those. Uh, no, not not at all. You didn't think this was not funny? the main categories for best picture. Um, see, crazy. Yeah. Uh, I'm I might have changed my answer for this one. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to see. I was reading this article today about the Golden Globes and how much uh, they're actually coming under some kind of scrutiny right now. Um, you could probably Google it. The organization that uh, is in charge of nominees and, and selecting winners and stuff there. Uh, um, I don't know. I saw the word nepotism thrown yeah. around and um, they're just being accused of a lot of stuff right now. And uh, I guess golden globes have always kind of been a, a laughing stock. I never really paid too much attention to it until uh, uh, you started bringing this yeah. up. So interesting to see. It, it seems like um, something at golden globes is going to have to change yeah. here. Uh, Cause it's coming to a head. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Not seeing this movie in there uh, is kind of bewildering. Yeah, it's tough to take it uh, seriously after a certain point. And this, I think, this might have been my point right here. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, why don't we wrap, up, wrap it up there because we're going long, and I have to take another sure. bathroom break. Um, but yeah, yes. Oh, uh, next week, looking at the upcoming ten gallon bucket. Look at the one gallon bucket right next to me. I could take a piss in that, but I don't want to have it on the uh, tape oh, there. Nice. Um, <laughs> next week we'll be coming up next week, week. We'll be reviewing Tom and Jerry on HBO Max. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I ain't scared. Shoot. Shoot. I keep watching that commercial and I keep thinking, hey, you know, maybe my kid yeah. will like it. I, I keep thinking how sadistic my uh, three year old is. He'd probably love seeing Tom get whacked in the head with a sledgehammer. Yeah. Yep. But, anyways, that'll do it for this week's for uh, so for Can I Say Something? I've been Damien. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.